Chapter Seven, Part Three of Salambo by Gustave Flaubert. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Caroline. Chapter Seven, Part Three. Hamilcar stopped on perceiving Salambo. She had come to him after the death of several male children. Moreover, the birth of daughters was considered a calamity in religions of the sun the gods had afterwards sent him a son but he still felt something of the betrayal of his hope and the shock as it were of the curse which he had uttered against her salambo however continued to advance long bunches of various coloured pearls fell from her ears to her shoulders and as far as her elbows her hair was crisped so as to simulate a cloud round her neck she wore little quadrangular plates of gold representing a woman between two rampant lions and her costume was a complete reproduction of the equipment of the goddess her broad-sleeved hyacinth robe fitted close to her figure widening out below the vermilion on her lips gave additional whiteness to her teeth and the antimony on her eyelids greater length to her eyes her sandals which were cut out in bird's plumage had very high heels and she was extraordinarily pale doubtless on account of the cold at last she came close to hamilcar and without looking at him without raising her head to him greeting eye of balim eternal glory triumph leisure satisfaction riches long has my heart been sad and the house drooping but the returning master is like reviving tammuz and beneath your gaze o oh father joyfulness and a new existence will everywhere prevail and taking from tarnach's hand a little oblong vase wherein smoked a mixture of meal butter cardamom and wine drink freely said she of the returning cup which your servant has prepared he replied a blessing upon you and he mechanically grasped the golden vase which she held out to him he scanned her however with such harsh attention that salambo was troubled and stammered out they have told you o oh master yes i know said hamilcar in a low voice was this a confession or was she speaking of the barbarians and he added a few vague words upon the public embarrassments which he hoped by his sole efforts to clear away oh father exclaimed salambo you will not obliterate what is irreparable then he drew back and salambo was astonished at his amazement for she was not thinking of carthage but of the sacrilege in which she found herself implicated this man who made legions tremble and whom she hardly knew terrified her like a god he had guessed he knew all something awful was about to happen 
pardon she cried hamilcar slowly bowed his head although she wished to accuse herself she dared not open her lips and yet she felt stifled with the need of complaining and being comforted hamilcar was struggling against a longing to break his oath he kept it out of pride or from the dread of putting an end to his uncertainty and he looked into her face with all his might so as to lay hold on what she kept concealed at the bottom of her heart by degrees the panting salambo crushed by such heavy looks let her head sink below her shoulders he was now sure that she had erred in the embrace of a barbarian he shuddered and raised both his fists she uttered a shriek and fell down among her women who crowded around her hamilcar turned on his heel all the stewards followed him the door of the emporiums was opened and he entered a vast round hall from which long passages leading to other halls branched off like the spokes from the nave of a wheel a stone disc stood in the centre with balustrades to support the cushions that were heaped up upon the carpets the suffet walked at first with rapid strides he breathed noisily he struck the ground with his heel and drew his hand across his forehead like a man annoyed by flies but he shook his head and as he perceived the accumulation of his riches he became calm his thoughts which were attracted by the vistas in the passages wandered to the other halls that were full of still rarer treasures bronze plates silver ingots and iron bars alternated with pigs of tin brought from the Cassaritides over the dark sea gums from the country of the blacks were running over their bags of palm bark and gold dust heaped up in leathern bottles was insensibly creeping out through the worn-out seams delicate filaments drawn from marine plants hung amid flax from egypt greece taprobane and judea mandrepores bristled like large bushes at the foot of the walls and an indefinable odour the exhalation from perfumes leather spices and ostrich feathers the latter tied in great bunches at the very top of the vault floated through the air an arch was formed above the door before each passage with elephants teeth placed upright and meeting together at the points at last he ascended the stone disc all the stewards stood with arms folded and heads bent while abdalonim reared his pointed metre with a haughty air hamilcar questioned the chief of the ships he was an old pilot with eyelids chafed by the wind and white locks fell to his hips as if dashing foam of the tempests had remained on his beard 
he replied that he had sent a fleet by gades and tumiamata to try to reach Ezion-Gaber by doubling the southern horn and the promontory of aromata others had advanced continuously towards the west for four moons without meeting with any shore but the ship's prows became entangled in weeds the horizon echoed continually with the noise of cataracts blood-coloured mists darkened the sun a perfume-laden breeze lulled the crews to sleep and their memories were so disturbed that they were now unable to tell anything however expeditions had ascended the rivers of the scythians and made their way into colchis and into the countries of the ugrians and of the istians had carried off fifteen hundred maidens in the archipelago and sunk all the strange vessels sailing beyond cape oestrimon so that the secret of the routes should not be known king ptolemaeus was detaining the incense from Scesbar, syracuse elathia corsica and the islands had furnished nothing and the old pilot lowered his voice to announce that a trireme was taken at rosicada by the numidians for they are with them master hamilcar knit his brows then he signed to the chief of the journeys to speak this functionary was enveloped in a brown ungirdled robe and had his head covered with a long scarf of white stuff which passed along the edge of his lips and fell upon his shoulder behind the caravans had set out regularly at the winter equinox but of fifteen hundred men directing their course towards the extreme boundaries of ethiopia with excellent camels new leathern bottles and supplies of painted cloth but one had reappeared at carthage the rest having died of fatigue or become mad through the terror of the desert and he said that far beyond the black harouche after passing the atarantes and the country of the great apes he had seen immense kingdoms wherein the prettiest utensils were all of gold a river of the colour of milk and as broad as the sea forests of blue trees hills of aromatics monsters with human faces vegetating on the rocks with eyeballs which expanded like flowers to look at you and then crystal mountains supporting the sun behind lakes all covered with dragons others had returned from india with peacocks pepper and new textures as to those who go by way of the syrtes and the temple of amon to purchase chalcedony they had no doubt perished in the sands the caravans from getulia and fazana had furnished their usual supplies but he the chief of the journeys did not venture to fit one out just now hamilcar understood the mercenaries were in occupation of the country 
he leaned upon his other elbow with a hollow groan and the chief of farms was so afraid to speak that he trembled horribly in spite of his thick shoulders and his big red eyeballs his face which was as snub-nosed as a mastiff's was surmounted by a net woven of threads of bark he wore a waist-belt of hairy leopard's skin wherein gleamed two formidable cutlasses as soon as hamilcar turned away he began to cry aloud and invoke all the baals it was not his fault he could not help it he had watched the temperature the soil the stars had planted at the winter solstice and pruned at the waning of the moon had inspected the slaves and had been careful of their clothes but hamilcar grew angry at this loquacity he clacked his tongue and the man with the cutlasses went on in rapid tones ah master they have pillaged everything sacked everything destroyed everything three thousand trees have been cut down at mascala and at ubada the granaries have been looted and the cisterns filled up at tedes they have carried off fifteen hundred gomors of meal at marazana they have killed the shepherds eaten the flocks burnt your house your beautiful house with its cedar beams which you used to visit in the summer the slaves at tuburbo who were reaping barley fled to the mountains and the asses the mules both great and small the oxen from taormina and the antelopes not a single one left all carried away it is a curse i shall not survive it he went on again in tears ah if you knew how full the cellars were and how the ploughshares shone ah the fine rams ah the fine bulls hamilcar's wrath was choking him it burst forth be silent am i a pauper then no lies speak the truth i wish to know all that i have lost to the last shekel to the last cab abdalonim bring me the accounts of the ships of the caravans of the farms of the house and if your consciences are not clear woe be on your heads go out all the stewards went out walking backwards with their fists touching the ground abdalonim went up to a set of pigeon-holes in the wall and from the midst of them took out knotted cords strips of linen or papyrus and sheep's shoulder-blades inscribed with delicate writing he laid them at hamilcar's feet placed in his hand a wooden frame furnished on the inside with three threads on which balls of gold silver and horn were strung and began one hundred and ninety-two houses in the mappalian district led to the new carthaginians at the rate of one baker a moon no it is too much be lenient towards the poor people 
and you will try to learn whether they are attached to the republic and write down the names of those who appear to you to be the most daring what next abdalonim hesitated in surprise at such generosity hamilcar snatched the strips of linen from his hands what is this three palaces around Kamon at twelve kesitas a month make it twenty i do not want to be eaten up by the rich the steward of the stewards after a long salutation resumed lent to tigillas until the end of the season two kikars at three per cent maritime interest to bar malkarth fifteen hundred shekels on the security of thirty slaves but twelve have died in the salt marshes that is because they were not hardy said the suffet laughing no matter if he is in want of money satisfy him we should always lend and at different rates of interest according to the wealth of the individual then the servant hastened to read all that had been brought in by the iron mines of anaba the coral fisheries the purple factories the farming of the tax on the resident greeks the export of silver to arabia where it had ten times the value of gold and the captures of vessels deduction of a tenth being made for the temple of the goddess each time i declared a quarter less master hamilcar was reckoning with the balls they rang beneath his fingers enough what have you paid to stratonicles of corinth and to three alexandrian merchants on these letters here they have been realized ten thousand athenian drachmas and twelve syrian talents of gold the food for the crews amounting to twenty minae a month for each trireme i know how many lost here is the account on these sheets of lead said the steward as to the ships chartered in common it has often been necessary to throw the cargo into the seas and so the unequal losses have been divided among the partners for the ropes which were borrowed from the arsenals and which it was impossible to restore the Sicitia exacted eight hundred kesitas before the expedition to utica they again said hamilcar hanging his head and he remained for a time as if quite crushed by the weight of all the hatreds that he could feel upon him but i do not see the megara expenses abdalonim turning pale went to another set of pigeonholes and took from them some planchettes of sycamore wood strung in packets on leathern strings hamilcar curious about these domestic details listened to him and grew calm with the monotony of the tones in which the figures were enumerated abdalonim became slower suddenly he let the wooden sheets fall to the ground and threw himself flat on his face with his arms stretched out in the position of a condemned criminal 
hamilcar picked up the tablets without any emotion and his lips parted and his eyes grew larger when he perceived an exorbitant consumption of meat fish birds wines and aromatics with broken vases dead slaves and spoiled carpets set down as the expense of a single day abdalonim still prostrate told him of the feast of the barbarians he had not been able to avoid the command of the ancients moreover salambo desired money to be lavished for the better reception of the soldiers at his daughter's name hamilcar leaped to his feet then with compressed lips he crouched down upon the cushions tearing the fringes with his nails and panting with staring eyes rise said he and he descended abdalonim followed him his knees trembled but seizing an iron bar he began like one distraught to loosen the paving-stones a wooden disc sprang up and soon there appeared throughout the length of the passage several of the large covers employed for stopping up the trenches in which grain was kept you see eye of baal said the servant trembling they have not taken everything yet and these are each fifty cubits deep and filled up to the brim during your voyage i had them dug out in the arsenals in the gardens everywhere your house is full of corn as your heart is full of wisdom a smile passed over hamilcar's face it is well abdalonim then bending over to his ear you will have it brought from euturia brutium whence you will and no matter at what price heap it and keep it i alone must possess all the corn in carthage then when they were alone at the extremity of the passage abdalonim with one of the keys hanging at his girdle opened a large quadrangular chamber divided in the centre by pillars of cedar gold silver and brass coins were arranged on tables or packed into niches and rose as high as the joists of the roof along the four walls in the corners there were huge baskets of hippopotamus skin supporting whole rows of smaller bags there were hillocks formed of heaps of bullion on the pavement and here and there a pile that was too high had given way and looked like a ruined column the large carthaginian pieces representing tanith with a horse beneath a palm-tree mingled with those from the colonies which were marked with a bull star globe or crescent then there might be seen pieces of all values dimensions and ages arrayed in unequal amounts from the ancient coins of assyria slender as the nail to the ancient ones of latinum thicker than the hand with the buttons of aegina 
the tablets of bactriana and the short bars of lacedaemon many were covered with rust or had grown greasy or having been taken in nets or from among the ruins of captured cities were green with the water or blackened by fire the suffet had speedily calculated whether the sums present corresponded with the gains and losses which had just been read to him and he was going away when he perceived three brass jars completely empty abdalonim turned away his head to mark his horror and hamilcar resigning himself to it said nothing they crossed other passages and other halls and at last reached a door where to ensure its better protection and in accordance with a roman custom lately introduced into carthage a man was fastened by the waist to a long chain let into the wall his beard and nails had grown to an immoderate length and he swayed himself from right to left with that continual oscillation which is characteristic of captive animals as soon as he recognized hamilcar he darted towards him crying pardon eye of baal pity kill me for ten years i have not seen the sun in your father's name pardon hamilcar without answering him clapped his hands and three men appeared and all four simultaneously stiffening their arms drew back from its rings the enormous bar which closed the door hamilcar took a torch and disappeared into the darkness this was believed to be the family burying-place but nothing would have been found in it except a broad well it was dug out merely to baffle robbers and it concealed nothing hamilcar passed along beside it then stooping down he made a very heavy millstone turn upon its rollers and through this aperture entered an apartment which was built in the shape of a cone the walls were covered with scales of brass and in the centre on a granite pedestal stood the statue of one of the kabiri called aletes the discoverer of the mines in siltiberia on the ground at its base and arranged in the form of a cross were large gold shields and monster close-necked silver vases of extravagant shape and unfitted for use it was customary to cast quantities of metal in this way so that dilapidation and even removal should be almost impossible with his torch he lit a miner's lamp which was fastened to the idol's cap and green yellow blue violet wine-coloured and blood-coloured fires suddenly illuminated the hall it was filled with gems which were either in gold calabashes fastened like sconces upon the sheets of brass or were ranged in native masses at the foot of the wall 
there were calaides shot away from the mountains with slings carbuncles formed by the urine of the lynx glossopetre which had fallen from the moon tianos diamonds sandastra beryls with three kinds of rubies the four kinds of sapphires and the twelve kinds of emeralds they gleamed like splashes of milk blue icicles and silver dust and shed their light in sheets rays and stars seronia engendered by the thunder sparkled by the sight of chalcedonias which are a cure for poison there were topazes from mount sarbaca to avert terrace opals from bactriana to prevent abortions and horns of ammon which are placed under the bed to induce dreams the fires from the stones and the flames from the lamp were mirrored in the great golden shields hamilcar stood smiling with folded arms and was less delighted by the sight of his riches than by the consciousness of their possession they were inaccessible exhaustless infinite his ancestors sleeping beneath his feet transmitted something of their eternity to his heart he felt very near to the subterranean deities it was as the joy of one of the kabiri and the great luminous rays striking upon his face looked like the extremity of an invisible net linking him across the abysses with the centre of the world End of chapter 7 part 3